Welcome to the Membership Guys podcast. Kick-ass advice and tips for membership site owners. What's up everyone? Thanks for downloading episode 64 of the Membership Guys podcast. I'm your host Mike Morrison, one half of the Membership Guys. And if you're running or planning to start a membership website, then you're in the right place. This show is for you. On today's show, I'm joined by Colin Gray from the podcasthost.com. Now, Colin, as well as helping other people to become successful with podcasting, is also a PhD in online education. So I'm really excited to get Colin on the show to share some of his insight and experience around how to create educational content in order to help us all make our membership content better, as well as the content that we use in our marketing, such as blogs, podcasts, and videos. It was a very good chat lots of actionable stuff coming out of it so you're going to want to grab a pen and paper for this one because i guarantee you'll be taking plenty of notes so without further ado i'm going to jump right now into my chat with colin gray on today's show i'm joined by colin gray founder of the podcasthost.com where he and his team provide education and services for podcasters. He's also a public speaker, having just returned from presenting at ProBlogger in Sydney. We've just caught him coming out of jet lag. And uh, just an all-around top guy. Colin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Mike. Yeah, not too, not feeling too jet-lagged anymore. I've kind of caught up, but uh, yeah, keep falling asleep at four o'clock. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm still feeling the jet-lag from an event I went to last year, so yeah, <laughs> who knows. Um, all right, so obviously, you know, mentioned in the intro that you work a lot with podcasters, you teach them how to set up and get the best on their podcasts, as well as help them with editing, with production. But the one thing I didn't mention in there is while that's essentially your day job, you also, was it last year, completed a PhD in online entrepreneurial education. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was my, um, well, it's kind of how I got into podcasting originally, was I worked in higher education for about five or six years. Mm. Uh, and that kind of, that was, that work was in online education. So I taught lecturers how to, how to teach better online. So how to use any kind of technology to help their students to learn. Um, and that led into the PhD, which I started back in uh, 2012. Uh, so yeah, I was doing that. Um, alongside running the podcast host at the time. Wow. So we have a, a legitimate doctor of online education in the house. <laughs> Indeed. There you go. I, now, I don't tend to advertise it too I much. was going to say, when you, when, <laughs> when you get that call at the restaurant, is there a doctor here? Hopefully you're not raising your hand for that one. No, no. And, uh, I'm always torn on planes, like whether to put it on, because, uh, you know, you think, oh, it might get me an upgrade. <laughs> but actually, I don't really want them to call me if somebody has a heart attack halfway over the Atlantic. So Yeah, I have that when I, I attended a friend's wedding and they bought all of their um, all their guests a, a lord and ladyship, where you basically own one square inch of, of land in Scotland. Oh, nice. So I... I it's not quite the same as with the doctor thing, but I do wonder whether I should put Lord Mike Morrison on uh, on my airplane tickets just for the same reason. See if I can certainly should. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I'll carry around a photograph of the square inch of land that I own. Um, <laughs> all right, well, I want to dive a little bit deeper into the online education side of things, if that's okay, because yeah, obviously, sorry. you know, the majority of our audiences, of course, they have memberships, and their memberships have a huge e-learning element. So. I can't not take advantage of the opportunity to speak to someone who has you know, completed education at such a high level in that very specific area. When it comes to teaching people online, 
What would you say are the biggest mistakes, the ones that really top the list for you that you see people making? Yeah, there's 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 loads. But yeah, let's talk uh, a few of the top ones really. One of the biggest ones that people always make at the start is try to put too much in. Mm. So people start planning out a course, uh, and I've done this in the past as well. See all the time with what we're working with, whereby they, they start to think about something they want to teach uh, and they worry about not including enough yeah. when really the to make a course effective to I mean, if we think about the aims we have here what we want to do when we're teaching somebody is to help them uh, attain a certain skill obviously common sense you actually want to teach them something but really they don't want to learn something for the sake of learning something generally they want to learn something to achieve a particular aim so your aim as a teacher isn't actually to teach somebody something it's to help them to achieve an aim that they have yeah and the problem is when you start creating a course you start to think oh so i want to teach this i want to teach this but this is related as well um i'm kind of afraid i'm going to be te- i'm going to be charging for this so i want to make sure i'm putting tons of value in so i'll put that in as well i'll put that in as well and you end up with something that has so many different aims in it that actually it's really hard to help them achieve any of them because it's so different they're all so varying the best way you can create a course is to make it really deep rather than really wide mm. um, and by that i mean actually breaking it right down to one thing so thinking about that particular aim that somebody has and designing every element of that course every part of that course towards achieving that one aim um there's all sorts of uh, scientific educational terms around all this stuff but it's really just it's about um the whole purpose of it is you know you start with one lesson that leads to the next lesson that leads to the next lesson each of these has one particular learning outcome that you have you know you want to teach them that one little thing and each of these outcomes lead towards that particular aim at the end so that's one of the biggest ones it's people not cutting it down so that people know so that the learner knows exactly what they're going to achieve at Mm. the end of this course and therefore they know why they should take it why they should keep going with it why they should complete that course and what they're going to get out of it at the end yeah, and I'm I'm sure that our listeners are, are are nodding their heads throughout everything you're saying there because yeah, of course, with whether it's online courses or with memberships, you're talking about the aims of that content. But you know, if you're thinking about well, I need to make sure that it's commercially viable. I need to make sure that it's substantial or there's enough stuff mm-hmm. to justify the price tag. That's a lot of that's a lot of aims that have nothing to do with your student yeah yeah and i think it's certainly something we see all the time with uh, with memberships and like you say you, you know we're a little bit guilty of uh, of that ourselves sometimes <laughs> as well you know you sometimes it's it becomes more about what you want to teach than what the student needs to learn yeah um, indeed yeah but i mean that's one of the benefits of a membership site actually because you suddenly you change from and this is something we're looking at just now with our podcasting courses is changing from you know one-off purchase courses to mm-hmm. uh, a range of courses all within one membership so suddenly you go from having a course that you're selling from 200 for 200 quid 200 dollars whatever it is to having them all under one membership so you don't feel like you have to put you don't feel the pressure so much to make yeah. it big just to justify the cost. You can put in a tiny little course that's only, say, three videos, but it's got a really targeted aim that people can achieve. And that sits well in a membership, I think. Definitely. And I think, you know, when you're talking about that outcome of that solution that your your customer is wanting, uh, when it is that, that course, the pressure to actually deliver on a bigger transformation with that course is obviously it's it's going to be a lot 
a lot bigger. Yeah. Whereas obviously with a membership, you're not having to get that transformation in one single piece of content. And yeah. Yeah. I know with, uh, with our membership at Memosite Academy, the biggest thing we have is the membership roadmap. And that's, that's basically just a navigational tool through other pieces of content. It's not even a piece of content itself. Uh, and yeah, so you're tying together all these, these little courses or resources or articles and stuff like that. Um, yeah. yeah so <clears throat> if someone who's listening has had their membership up and running for a while, or maybe they've been selling one off courses and they're worried that perhaps uh, they've got the structure wrong or the approach wrong. Maybe they haven't been thinking of things in terms of facilitating the end result that their user wants. What can someone do to almost audit their content or make little improvements? Is there any kind of quick wins or, or, or small adjustments you can make to improve existing content? Yeah, yeah. There's two things spring to mind in terms of those quick wins. You've got so another mistake I think that a lot of people make is assuming that video is always best mm. because it's it's seen as the high quality, you know, the, if you want a really professional course, you have to make it a video and, and people often just end up, you know, spending two or three days recording a bunch of video. And that's great. Like video does work really well in certain circumstances, but it is not always the best solution. Mm. Sometimes actually... Uh, well, I mean, the the main problem that video has is that it's a, it's a full attention medium. So people have to sit down, they have to concentrate on this video, um, and therefore you struggle to get people to to watch a video for more than you know five ten minutes at a time. It's quite often they'll get distracted. So when you've got a course which is you know two hours worth of video, the completion rate on that type of course is just horrible. It's just really really low because people rarely actually watch through the whole series. Whereas if you think about your course, break it down into those segments, use video for bits that really need the visual elements, but then actually create some audio accompaniments as well. So you maybe have some longer lessons, which are in audio, then they can be listened to out and about. So you allow people to uh, to download them or you have you know some kind of a feed that they can subscribe to into their podcasting apps, that type of thing then that's great because then they can go out, they can listen to it in the car when they're walking the dog, you know, they're doing all sort of um, washing the dishes, you know, all that kind of stuff. Then you get that attention and people can actually consume longer material over, uh, you know, sort of in the context that suits them, basically. Um, and then add to that as well text, like <laughs> the much maligned word on paper, or well, <laughs> screen, I suppose. Um, like, that's a, it's difficult, actually, because if you had somebody that signed up for a course, they paid £200 for a course, and they just saw it was just pages and pages of text, then they'd probably feel pretty gypped. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. but in a lot of cases, in most cases, text is actually more effective than video or audio because people can consume it in their own way. Video and audio, the, the, the disadvantage of both of them together is that it's, it's paced. So you, people have to consume it at the pace that somebody delivers the video, delivers yeah, the audio. Yeah. It's very hard to skim through, to go back and find a bit that you just, you know, two minutes ago that you went over. Um, whereas with text, you know, you can just, your eyes can run over the page. You can find the bits that are relevant to you. You can skip over bits really easily that you already know. You can go back and revise bits that, you know, you didn't quite understand. Text is a really flexible medium for learning. And it's why, you know, there's tons of, <laughs> I mean, that's what, what most of the learning materials you find in universities are these yeah, days. So, 
So a quick win for me is actually to go back through, look at your course and see, start to think more smartly about the mediums. Think, uh, I've got a video here, but actually, could I create a, maybe a bit of a longer audio that supports that, that people can listen to it and about? Could I create some text that actually gives a summary of that, that people can go back and revise after they've you know deep learned in the video? That's one of the big things for me, because people tend to just pick a medium and stick to it yeah. and not bring the variety in. Yeah, and of course, you know, if someone's actually created the videos, then there are software options that aren't too complicated to strip the audio from those yeah, videos. So they already have yeah. that audio there. And certainly that was one of the, the first requests we got when we started putting up our video courses was, can we have the audio? <laughs> like, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, and, you know, we've actually just recently gone through all the the non, uh, like the non-walkthrough content where, you know, someone listening to the audio of a, a technical demonstration isn't really going to benefit from it. But <laughs> for all the other stuff, the theory stuff that actually doesn't need the video element to it to mm -hmm. be useful, you know, we've just done a full uh, run through of our content um, and stripped out all the audio individually. And I think this was actually on your suggestion, bundled those all together as well in a single zip file that people can just download and load up as a playlist as well. So, um, and you're absolutely right. And it's funny in, uh, you know, this is kind of segueing a little bit into podcasting. Um, we don't have transcripts for our podcasts, uh, the membership guys podcast, but in, in speaking to Callie the other day, we both said that we are both far more likely to read a transcript on a website than listen to a podcast episode because of the convenience, because like I said, the speed of being able to skim through it and yeah. all of that. So it, it's funny how I think your, your instincts on what to create often go against the way that you consume. Yeah. 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 What you think would be effective. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. So I mean, that's something that anyone who is using video for their membership can do right away after this this podcast if you yeah. have courses that could work very well as audio you can strip those out and you could even you know on the tech side of things um just pay a service like rev.com or speechpad to transcribe those to give you a starting point to actually you know put in some sort of accompanying text yeah. I, I think some of the fear around doing that or some of the reasons why people will do embedded video instead of downloadable audios and, and text that can be copied and pasted is this fear of people joining, taking everything from your membership and then cancelling and doing a runner. But we've covered on a past episode, uh, which we'll link to on the show notes on this page, why that is something you shouldn't worry about. Yeah, It's something you shouldn't let affect the actual creation of content. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's that's reducing the user experience for the people that are going to stick around, isn't it? Because Absolutely. you're not offering them everything that they want, making it as easy as possible for them, just for the sake of the few people that are going to pop in and steal everything anyway, no matter what you do. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, the likelihood is even if someone does come in and steal everything, someone with that mentality probably isn't going to implement what they've stolen anyway. Yeah. Um, so you can kind of uh, feel a little bit smug about that, I think. Yeah. I imagine as well. I'm sure you teach the same thing, but if you're certainly as a as a teacher, I, I used to work with a lot of lecturers that used to worry about their jobs um, when we were bringing in technology. They're right. like, "Well, you're bringing in virtual learning environments so that you can get rid of all the lecturers and just robots will teach." You know all this nonsense. And I was like, "Do you know what? If if you think that the biggest value that you're offering is in the static content that you're creating, then there's something far wrong with you, yeah. or you're not a very good teacher." Yeah. 
as a, I suppose in a membership site, it's the same thing. Your courses are great. They're support resources. They'll, they'll give a lot of value to your users, but it's got to be the live stuff, isn't it? It's got to be the, you know, the other things that you're offering in terms of access to you, the live sessions that you're offering, the, you know, the management. In fact, I can talk about a lot of the things I was thinking about talking to you about around sort of timescales and accountability and, uh, and implementing habits of learning and all that kind of stuff. That's all live things that are yeah. long term, not just one off. They can't be stolen. So. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if it was purely just about the content, then schools and universities around the world would just have cubicles where they put students in with a textbook. Yeah, exactly. And that would be it. There'd be no teachers. Um, Although, yeah, there may be robots teaching if those fears come. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So obviously this this is all stuff that can apply to the content uh, that we put out there both publicly with blogs, videos, and podcasts, as well as within our membership. Yeah. And obviously, you know, podcasting is a big thing we do. It's something that is a major part of how we market our membership. And obviously, that's that's your world, that's your life, your obsession, <laughs> podcasting. Yeah. Um, and that's, of course, that's through the thepodcasthost.com, where you have courses and you're teaching people about podcasting, you speak about podcasting, workshops, all that sort of stuff as well as providing the production and the editing. With your doctor's hat still on, mm-hmm. um, how does podcasting compare as an educational vehicle or, or medium or format to blogging and other forms of content? Is Do you see podcasting as being better than or, or the, the, the best or the better middle-of-the-road uh, content medium compared to others, or is it just um, something you're a particular fan of and decide to build your business around? Yeah, it's just different. It's I think we've covered this a little bit already. Um, it's great in certain con- contexts and it's brilliant in the context of long form content because, mm-hmm. like I said, the attention you get on video is pretty low. You you, you know the stats are sort of like three to five minutes or something on YouTube and some of the text people just skim through text often. Text is good as a a revision tool or um, I, well, I mean people do learn from textbooks and books, but uh, a, a podcast allows you to basically learn while you're in wasted time I guess that's what I love mm. about it the fact that you can you know you can be driving in the car you can be washing the dishes you can be mowing the lawn whatever it is you can be listening to a podcast so for me it's where you engage people it's where you put out about your own personality about your own values you know you show who you are which builds that relationship that one-to-one with the listener um audio is great at one-to-one as well because it just feels really personal because you're mm. hearing just that voice you're you're getting it straight into your head through the headphones. The the presenter tends not to be worrying so much about, you know, things like appearance and technology and yeah. backgrounds and all the stuff that goes that's into big, video. That's a big one for us. <laughs> yeah. So there's all that. All that visual element just disappears and the presenter can just be far more honest and transparent and themselves. They can just act like themselves. They can just be less nervous. And all of that goes together to create a medium that for me is the most engaging out there. So I think I think that podcasting creates the biggest engagement, which leads to the biggest trust, which actually leads to sales at the end of the day, if that's what you're looking for. Or if it's learning, it leads to consumption because mm. when you're trying to teach somebody something, it's about them being engaged in what you're, 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 you're saying, what you're teaching. It's about them buying into you as a person, knowing what you're talking about and them sticking around long enough to actually consume what it is you're giving out. So whether it's sales or whether it's education you're looking for, I think podcasting's the sort of top of that engagement heap. Um, and it's got downsides as well compared mm. to video and text, but that's where I think it stands by itself. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of podcasts, and we actually, uh, when we set up our podcast, it was more of a vanity exercise in some ways. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm fond of the sound of my own voice. I've uh, <laughs> I used to do. I used to run a little online radio station for uh, Total Nerds back in uh, the mid 2000s. So okay. it was an opportunity to, yeah, to to do the whole stick a mic in front and uh, in front of my face and just ramble on. <laughs> um, but yeah, we actually like when it started, it was it was so inconsistent. I think we launched with like five episodes. Episode six was maybe ten days later. Episode yeah. seven, two weeks later. Um, episode eight was like two or three days later. So it was just whenever I I got to be in my bonnet and something yeah. to talk about. That's but pretty then, standard. <laughs> yeah, but then all of a sudden, when we opened the doors to uh, Member Site Academy. And we were asking people where they found us. Uh, there was a surprising amount of people who had found us from the podcast. And these are people who weren't previously in our audience. So, you know, that, that kind of lit a fire under, uh, under me a bit to actually take it seriously. And, yeah. you know, yeah. let's actually put a little bit of thought into this. And yes. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good stuff. Yeah. I mean, the thing that people often fall down with on podcasting is that they assume that that's, a place to be found for me mm. it's not really a place to be found you can be found there it's a, it gets you into more search engines so i mean you get into itunes stitcher all the different ones but the the proportion of people searching in those places for new content is tiny compared to the proportion of people searching on you uh, on google yeah uh, for just plain text search or or even youtube youtube's massive now as well obviously so they're really the search platforms um, and podcasting is the engagement platform. So I, I think it works. You try and snare people in with the text, with good text content. So that could be accompaniments to your to your podcast. It could be you know a blog post that outlines what you talk about in the podcast, or it could be a video that's a highlight reel of of the podcast, maybe. And then you direct them towards the podcast as that next step of engagement. Once they've you know once they've bought into you a little bit, they've you've gained a wee bit of trust through the blog. You've gained a wee bit of more trust through the video. Uh, then you convince them because often it's a barrier for people to subscribe to a podcast because. Mm. There's a big proportion of folk out there that still don't listen on a regular basis. So once you build that trust, you get them onto the podcast and that's really where you turn them from, you know, casual readers or even regular readers into fanatical fans. Yeah, for sure. And um, I think when it comes to membership site owners as well, because so many membership sites are built around authority or personality. Yeah. So, you know, especially if you're in a niche where there's, numerous different options people can can take to to fulfill their educational needs and this is coming yeah. back to what you were saying before if it's just about the material if it's just about the information um then you know with the internet with all the books under the sun that have been published on every possible topic that's not going to be enough so i think something like podcasting allowing you to you know flavor the content with your own personality, with your own opinions and, and putting your own spin on things. It's certainly something that we get a lot of positive feedback on. Yeah. Um, despite the fact that it still surprises me that anybody can actually listen to the show with my accent. Cause I still, <laughs> for as much as I've tried to soften the Jordan, the Geordie accent, it's, <laughs> I, I still, I don't know if I could listen to someone with my accent on the podcast, but hey, <laughs> not to discourage people from the show. I've heard I've heard far broader Jody accents, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, is the yeah. 
a couple of drinks in me and you'll definitely hear um, a much, much broader Geordie accent. Now, um, we, we both attended Content Marketing Academy Conference back in June this year and uh, we saw Mark Schaefer talk, big fan of. Now, Mark's coined this term content shock in response to the sheer volume of content that's out these days. Now, podcasting, uh, I'm sure you would agree is in the thick of this major resurgence it, it was big and then all of a sudden it sort of wasn't quite as cool but now everyone's doing it and everyone's consuming and all of that but the podcast is in our audience what can people do to make sure their show stands out with all this content that is out there and doesn't just get lost in the shuffle yeah i think a big part of this is another one of those big mistakes that people make actually when they're first creating uh, either courses or podcasts or anything like blogging, video, whatever. It's not taking that uh, a design-led approach, basically, mm. which which means um, not so much, not the traditional way that people think of a design as in visuals and graphic design, that type of stuff, but design-led as in basically customer-led, user-led. So thinking about the users the whole time through it. And it's it's all the, I mean, everybody's heard of, you know, um, ideal listeners, about avatars, about personas. Mm. And it's really about thinking through that sort of that three-part definition of your content, of your podcast. So whenever we're working with people on creating a podcast, we always get them to think first about what's the big problem you're solving. So think about your customers, think about your listeners, think about your audience. What is the biggest problem that they're experiencing right now? And to be really design-led here, you need to speak to people. You can't just sit there and assume it. You can't just assume that you know. You might well know your customers really, really well, but you go out and speak to them, find 10, 15, 20 of them and actually talk to them in person if possible. But I mean, online, fine as well. Even just surveys gives you a bit of an insight. Mm. Find out those problems, find out the language they they state it in as well. And once you've got that down, that's a big hook in the first place. Um, then obviously you want to talk about the solution. So what is it that they're aiming to to do that this problem's stopping them doing? So state what the solution is. And then finally, you've got the uniqueness of it. So why you are uniquely served to uh, to solve this for them you know why they should listen to yours amongst all the other shows and i think if you can state those three things really clearly to yourself make sure you know exactly what your show is about that problem solution uniqueness fit and you manage to tie that into your title and into your description and also into the first you know 10 15 20 seconds of every single show that you put out there you've got to state that every single time that's your mission that's you know the the selling point of your show then that makes a huge difference because, I mean, there's all sorts of ways to be found. You know, we could talk discoverability and, you know, um, all the different ways that you can get out there more. But really, it's about once you are found, doesn't matter how, doesn't matter how many people find you, if that problem solution uniqueness thing isn't sorted out, then people yeah. are just going to look at it and go, oh, next one, next one, next one. So it's about that hook. It's about showing people exactly who the show is for so that when they look at the problem, they, uh, they go, that's exactly who it's for. This is definitely a show for me. This is a problem that I'm having right now and this show is going to solve it. And that is why I'm going to invest time in listening to the first few episodes, which will then get me hooked and that will get me you know that'll be me there forever i'll be a fan forever i love that and that's something you know we we advocate for that strongly that idea of something that's so obvious listen to what your audience are are saying and then use their language that they use to to describe their problems back yeah. to them um in your titles in your content whether it's a podcast or a blog yeah, and yeah. i know when we were first planning out uh, the podcast in particular it was all 
based on on questions, but about half of them uh, were questions we just wrote down as these are probably some of the main things we should address. Yeah. Um, but actually through our Facebook group and a free Facebook group is a great way of basically assembling your own little focus group. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we're seeing people post and tell us daily what they're struggling with the most, what they, uh, what knowledge gaps they have, what solutions they're needing. And that's just endless fodder for podcast ideas, blog ideas, yeah. membership yeah. content ideas. Um, and it's something that you would think would be really obvious, <laughs> but a lot of people yeah. don't do it. That's the thing. It's co- it's common sense, but um, it's it's the whole idea. It's not a podcast for you. It's a podcast mm. for them. <laughs> and yeah. it counts for courses as well. It's not a course for you. It's a course for them. So listen to the people that are, are demanding the course, that are asking for the course and put it in their language. That The language thing's the important part, I think. I mean, you probably have a good idea of the problems, but you just don't know how exactly they're stating it. Um, and even you will probably discover some problems you didn't even know, but it's it's about including that language, those problems that they're seeing and how they're saying it in the title, the description, the intro, so that it just grabs them right away. It grabs their attention. Yeah, and I can't remember who it is who actually said this or coined this. This idea that if you can, um, if you can describe your audience's problem better than they can themselves, they'll assume that you have the solution. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It builds a huge amount of authority. Absolutely. Now, sticking with podcasting, yeah. one of the things that I, I find very interesting about what you do with your own podcast, and certainly in and seeing you um, speaking at Content Marketing Academy, is the idea of seasonal podcasts. Okay, sure. Um, that seems to be something that has become a, a, a much bigger topic or a much more used strategy on the back of successful series like um, like Serial. Yeah. Is that something everybody should be aiming to do? Is it something that is it an approach or a strategy that is best applied if uh, you know if you have a particular outcome in mind, or is it just a, a gimmick or a novelty? No, I think it's something that can work for anyone, and it's much more than just a gimmick. It's it's got a huge amount of benefits, um, and it ties really well into the courses as well. So mm. the fact that we're talking about that too. It, so the thing with seasons is that I started doing seasons in the first place because it was from a course building mentality. It was because I'd come out of education. It's because the first podcast series that I ever created was Podcraft, which right. is our show about teaching podcasting. And I created the first season of that as a course for lecturers at university. That was how I started podcasting, cool. basically. Um, so I taught it as, I basically, I created the first 10 episodes of that show as a course to releasing your first episode. So it was just everything or the minimum they needed to know to get their first episode out there from, you know, choosing a microphone, uh, getting your environment, creating a script, that kind of stuff. So it was just thinking about it in a basic way. Again, breaking it right down, like I said at the start, breaking it right down to the simplest possible way to get that first episode out there because that was their aim. They're, they're not thinking about a thousand listeners, 5,000 listeners. They're not thinking yeah. about high quality. All their aim is at that point is release an episode of the podcast. <laughs> so I broke that course down to the simplest possible way to get from zero podcast to one podcast episode. Yeah. <laughs> so so that's how that season approach uh, started. Um, and that ties into a bunch of the ben- a few of the benefits, which is you uh, you have a really big aim. Uh, towards the end of the series so it's it's a huge hook for people to follow you on like you know when you're podcasting about a different thing every single week there's no massive benefit 
um, for people coming back every single week. Mm. Uh, you know, they might like you, they might want to come and listen to the content. You'll be given good value every week, sure. But I mean, if they miss a week, it's like, well, never mind. I'll yeah. catch up next yeah. week. Whereas if you're doing a season which all ties together, then suddenly they've got a much bigger incentive to come back week in, week out. Uh, building on that another thing is that they get a lot more success out of it because they actually do that they build up every single week they're building their knowledge they're they're hopefully doing an activity as well come back to that that's something that's really important with courses particularly um so you're putting a, a an activity in each one so they're actually doing something after every single episode it's building momentum every single time and hopefully by the end of that season they've achieved something in their real life, like in their work, in their life, in their person, whatever it is that you're teaching, yeah. they've achieved something. And that achievement is what makes them, or what builds in their mind the perception that you are damn good at what you do. <laughs> <laughs> because it doesn't matter how great you are at describing things, about teaching theory, all that kind of stuff. If you don't help them actually succeed with something, just something basic, then they're just it's, it's not going to build that engagement. It's not going to build that authority that you want to build because they need to achieve something to build that. So, yeah, that whole achievement thing's great. There's other stuff as well around seasons in terms of planning to help you. Um, I mean, if you plan out a season ahead of time, say it's a 12-episode season, then uh, you spend maybe an hour doing that. Uh, say the 1st of January, you spend an hour planning out that season and then suddenly you've got a plan for your content for the next three months. So that's like yeah. an episode a week for the next three months. That's all planned. All you have to do is sit down each week and record. Uh, or, of course, you can batch it. So you could record like three or four at a time and save even more time as well. Um, and there's even the motivation for you around the fact that you feel that you're building towards uh, an aim to at the end of the season you you feel like you're building towards completing something creating this great resource which is that podcast season that you can point people back towards it's this evergreen resource that you're yeah, just gonna yeah. you're always gonna have there and you can have a break at the end of it too so you can take a few weeks off if you want because it just has that natural little um little delineation um and final thing final thing sorry uh, is that a season I talked about the evergreen content um you're creating this season of content which is you know 12 episodes all tied together basically forms a course now that can be turned into all sorts of other great stuff yeah like you can turn it into an audiobook um, or hopefully you've been you know writing blog summaries of each one so suddenly those blog summaries of each chapter could be a, a chapter of a book so you know you've got an ebook out of that um or you've got an email course you can point people towards the podcast the blog posts the video summaries that you've put maybe together as well and suddenly you've got this email course you can point people towards or something that we did was actually turn them into a full-blown proper online course like we've yeah, been talking yeah. about so that first seat sorry less that first season of podcraft so you, you can tell i like this uh, <laughs> that first season of podcraft turned into our first and our current flagship course because right. i took the structure of that course i built in how-tos i built in videos i built in activities tasks i built in all the things that are needed in a full course, but that first season of PodCraft was the basis for that course. And it, it gave me such a step up in starting to create that course. So, you know, if you're out there thinking, oh, I don't know, it's such a big task to create a course, then just start planning it into your basic content delivery each week. And suddenly you've got this starter from which it's much more easy to build. Yeah, and it's funny when you talk about taking um, a podcast series or season and turning that into an email course or into an ebook. Yeah. We're actually like right now, it's up on my whiteboard in front of me. Cool. We're looking at doing the reverse of that in that we like one of the things we did very early on, which helped us really explore our list building was a, an email course. It was a 30 day email challenge. 
um, where it was, you know, build and launch your membership in just 30 days. Yeah, so sure. we're kind of, we're, we're going the reverse of that, but still same principle of, you know, not just creating individual bits of content that, that only live within that bit of content, but yeah, yeah. looking for ways to multi-purpose and repurpose stuff. So we're, um, turning that into an actual printed book. Mm-hmm. It's already available as a PDF. And uh, one of the big things I want to do is actually sit down and record that uh, because it breaks up nicely into 30 weekly lessons, or sorry, 30 daily lessons, yeah, yeah. Um, and then possibly releasing that as a, a podcast series as well. Great stuff, um, yeah. I think I think it's the only way people can make it work these days, compete mm-hmm. with sort of bigger companies, especially if you're kind of new to this, is thinking really smartly about how you can repurpose every single thing you do. I don't mean duplication. Yeah. That's kind of, yeah. I think repurposing has a bad, a bad rep, basically. People think of it as just, you know, getting one thing and posting it everywhere, copying everywhere, which is useless. But it's about it's about getting one bit of content. So you've got one thing you want to teach, one content idea, breaking that down, seeing if you can create a season out of it, breaking it down into those, you know, single lessons that I talked about earlier, um, going deep rather than wide in each single one, then put, tailoring it for the medium. So, you know, the podcast episode is going to be quite long. It's going to be the long form, but you might be able to take highlights out of that or even break down the podcast episode into four or five videos to repurpose it to video. Uh, And then, you know, create a blog post based on that. So you've come up with the content idea. You've come up with a lesson. You'll have created a, you know, a bullet point plan for your podcast at least. That takes a lot of the effort out of creating a blog post. So create a good quality blog post based on that plan. You can write a blog post and half the time it would normally if you've got if you've just recorded a podcast episode, you've got a plan for it already. So do that and then suddenly all these things can turn into like you say ebooks and email courses and all that kind of stuff. It's it's the only way to do it. And it, it ties into discoverability as well, because mm. we talked about that. The fact that the podcast is, you know, that engagement pinnacle, that's where you want to get people to because that's where they turn into fanatical fans who are either going to refer you to others, promote you for yourself or buy your stuff. Um, But they're only going to get to that podcast if you catch them through the wider search areas of, you know, text search or video search. So having all of that together in a way that, you know, leads people from the blog post to the video to the podcast, that's how you get discovered as well. Never mind, um, yeah, just be prolific, (laughs) appear everywhere that people can find you. Love it. Love it. Now, I know that you're planning on launching your own membership in the future. You touched on that uh, a little earlier. Yeah, sure. And uh, you, you're going through the planning process. Now, given your level of, of knowledge and experience around online education, what is it that inspired you to move towards a membership model uh, rather than continuing creating one-off courses or, you know, as an accompaniment, what in particular about the membership model uh, from an online education point of view appeals to you the most yeah it's it's a great question i think the big thing for me is the fact that you have people's attention over a much longer period of time Mm. so you can you can affect a lot more change you can you can you can encourage much more success so for example we've been selling our courses one off up till now so people just come to our website they buy the course they go in there i i'm confident it's really good quality stuff but i don't really see the results 
Um, and the results aren't half as good because people are just in there themselves. They're just working through it, self-study. And with the best will in the world, the completion rate of self-study courses is horrendous. It's like, like all the MOOCs out there just now, there's a load of research around this at the moment. Like the completion rates on some of the massive courses that are run by full-on universities, like yeah. people with massive resources, huge reputation. And it's still something like 10, 15, 20% completion rates of wow. sign up. So it's just horrendous. Um, so I'm planning to put into action a lot of the stuff that I've been talking about already around, you know, designing it, breaking it down, all that stuff, um, multimedia for the right areas. But the big thing for me is the action. So the big thing for me is that I want to create a membership site which has lots of learning resources in there, but there's a lot more structure as well. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people are afraid of that structure. A lot of people think that a lot of people delivering courses, delivering membership sites for me, shy away from giving direction because they feel like people, the benefit of online, the benefit of you know learning digitally is that people can be flexible. They can learn when and where they want. But the problem, the problem of flexible learning is that you're also free to give it up learn. and just not bother yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and watch the telly instead. Um, and that was a big part of the research that I did in my PhD was around how you increase completion rates, how you increase success. And one of the biggest, and to be honest, kind of common sense things that came out of it was that if you set somebody a very small task every single day, and I mean every single day, I mean Monday to Friday, well, not including weekends, we'll give them a couple of days off. <laughs> so you set them a single task every single day that only takes maybe 20 minutes to do, maybe even less, maybe even five to 10 minutes then if you can encourage them to stick with that for a week or two weeks, then they get in the habit of it yeah. and it becomes a routine and the barriers are so much lower because they can get in there and they can just do it quickly on a little coffee break, something like that. And there's a few, a bunch of benefits here. Barriers are lower, so that's easy. They get in there, but they, they start to build momentum. They build that habit. They start to build this sense of achievement because they feel like they're progressing because you can gamify it a little bit, you know, even just with a simple tick box, it's just a little bit of gamification that shows yeah. them they're completing things as they go. They're achieving, they're building something. So it's so it's that structure. That's what I want to build into what I'm doing. And I'm thinking about a bunch of different ways to do it. So there'll be, there'll be that simple stuff like gamification, drip feeding, say, so that, you know, that's a tried and tested method. You drip feed somebody, of course. But I also want to do a lot more um, group challenges. I want to do a lot more talk courses. So say we're going to go through this course over the next two months and we're going to do these assignments, <laughs> like actually set homework and assignments and stuff like that. Um, and I realize, I realize this is going to be a lot more work. I realize mm. that a lot of people are not going to do it because a lot of people do want to just do self-study. Not going to get them. But I think that um, going, going by my experience in the past with higher education, research, all that kind of stuff, and the, and the problems that I see with current courses, current membership sites of just you know lack of engagement, I think that there'll be a big proportion of people will buy into this, and they'll see the results that they're getting, and they'll start telling other people, and yeah. and I'll achieve, I'll have a lot more people in the site that are achieving success, that are achieving great things. Um, and that's going to be, I mean, that's going to be testimonials for the site. It's going to be great people in there that are helping other folk that are in the community as well. So I'm hoping that that sort of routine, habit, accountability, um, structure, all of those types of approaches are going to help me differentiate and, you know, create a lot of successful people. Love the sound of that. And we'll have to get you back on like one, two memberships being up and running six to 12 months yeah. to take the temperature, how that's gone. Yeah, um, cause yeah. And I, I think leaving people to their own devices, um, 
tick maybe ticks a box for them in terms of you know not most people don't want homework or don't yeah. want to have to do the work but yes. actually if they're not going to do the work <laughs> they're not going to get the results yeah. which is going to you know helping people get those results is what builds up the goodwill that keeps people subscribed long beyond the point at which they actually need your material yeah you so, know and yeah. you know creating advocates and success stories and case studies that you can then leverage to promote your membership i mean that um can be gold dust for the longevity of a membership site so it'll be great to actually um to to watch how things progress with your membership Very yeah cool. no i can't wait i'm uh, i'm going through all the tech stuff right now so i'm sure yeah. i'll be calling you afterwards too uh, <laughs> <laughs> how do that. i get this one i, was thinking, I have no <laughs> idea <what> so <laughs> actually this may or you may have just answered my next question being in that planning stage what would you say is the biggest challenge that you're facing now with your membership actually i mean the tech is a challenge but to be honest i'm i have a bit of experience there anyway so i'm not too too worried about it um the bit the challenge for me right now is actually figuring out the target because i i talked a little on about the design-led approach like figuring Mm -hmm. out your avatar making sure i know that problem solution i'm worried a little bit at the moment that um we're tie- that what I want to teach applies to so much more than just podcasting. Mm. So I kind of want to get out of just the podcasting niche, but that is what we do right now. That's what the podcast host is focused on. That's what our audience wants. So I'm kind of, I'm struggling right now to think of how, how I target it because I don't mm. know exactly what the, uh, I think, I think we're, we're going to start with podcasting, but I want to talk about how to tie it in with video. I want to talk about how to tie it in with blogging, how, all of those three content mediums tied together. I think our aim really is much more about, it's about creating a fan. Mm. It's, about, it's about how you create from, from a casual visitor to whatever medium it is to being a complete and utter fanatical fan of what you do. That is what I want to teach. Um, but I realize that that concept is quite different from what our sites from being a, yeah, targeting is. A podcasting so, membership. Yeah. Exactly. So um, um, that's my struggle at the moment is figuring out how I tie those two things together. But I think, um, you know, the, the focus of the, of your current site and of the current business, you know, that gives a strong enough bridge into the broader topic, I think, to, to enable you to do that without there being a disconnect, I feel, with your audience. Yeah. Because what are the chances that your current audience are only using podcasting? Yeah, slim to none. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what? Actually, that was, uh, again, design-led. Uh, I was planning to do a survey to my mailing list uh, and put it up on the site for a few days as well, mm-hmm. um, just asking people what else they do. So yeah. I'm going to say, you are obviously a podcaster. You're interested in this subject. But do you also do video? Do you do blogging? Do you yeah. do social media? What social media do you do? So I want to get a picture of what our target audience is doing right now and that'll hopefully give me a better steer on just yeah that problem i just described yeah and the thing is as well with the podcasting is even if your entire audience are only doing podcasting that then that gives you the first stage of the journey you then want to take them on so yeah you know if 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 you go on the assumption that actually a large proportion of your audience are coming in only doing podcasting and they want to know how to get more from that as well as how to add other elements then that yeah. that gives you that roadmap um between yeah where they are now and and where you want to take them and i love you know the whole idea of creating fans i'm a big um i love the whole kevin kelly uh yeah, theory and ideas yeah. yeah the thousand true fans i think is is something that if you really like embrace that mindset can totally yeah. change your approach to business yeah. um and 
yeah, and I think and I think sorry to drop, but I think oh. podcasting is the is the most effective way to do that as well mm. to create those true fans. So yeah, it totally ties into that Kevin Kelly thing, yeah. bringing them from blogs, videos to a podcast, which really creates them into that fanatical true fan. Love that. Um, so before we wrap up, loads of big uh, golden nuggets there. Lots of advice, I'm sure. <laughs> Our listeners will be scribbling down and they'll be going back to their memberships and creating audios and creating their texts and looking for ways to improve podcasting and all sorts. But if there's oh. just one thing that our listeners could take away from this episode what would you want that to be i think the biggest thing is activities i think if we're talking so if we're talking do you know what it could be either podcasts or courses mm. the biggest thing for me that people miss in a course is that they just put out the content and they don't ask people to do anything so there's so many courses out there you'll just be watching through the videos and it'll say this is how you do something and that is it the best way one of the most effective ways you can get a grown-up person so adult learning science here the bit one of the most effective ways you can get an adult to learn something effectively and like you better as a result trust you more as a result is if you give them something to do in their real life yeah. so um say i'm teaching podcasting uh, so to go back to that first season of podcast, uh, I was teaching lecturers how to release a first episode. So my episode on uh, scripting, say, at the end of that episode, I would say, so spend five minutes now and create a bullet point script for your next episode, uh, for your first episode. Go away and do that right now. Here's a couple of tips on how to do it. Here's some resources on how to do it. But that is your task right now is to just sit down for nothing more than five minutes and just create, you know, five to ten bullet points of what you're going to talk about on your episode. And it's so powerful when you do that because if they go and do it, which if you do it right then and you make it simple enough and you make it directed enough, then there's a good chance they will. Mm -hmm. Then they'll go and do it and they've actually achieved something real. It's not just theoretical. It's not just you've taught them some theory and you've got them to do a little practice task. They've done something that's actually useful to them in their real life, in their real work. And that little sense of achievement is gold for your engagement and that is what makes them come back next time makes them trust you more makes them like you more that's what turns them into fans so make sure every single time you're putting out a bit of content whether it's a lesson on a course whether it's a podcast episode at the end of that bit of content ask them something get them to do a task give them something short to do in the real life that will give them just that little bit that little hit of achievement awesome advice that's great and actually implementing that advice right now we're going to give our listeners an activity <laughs> to do perfect you need to go and check out the podcasthost.com what else should they be doing to find out a bit more about you to learn more about what we're talking about here and to uh, tune into your podcast check out your courses and so on Cool. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, the podcasthost.com is where they can find all of our uh, all of our stuff, whether it's uh, the paid courses or whether it's all our free uh, material, tons of stuff on the blog there about how to run a podcast. Um, probably the, the first stop I tend to set, send most people to is a, an email course. Actually, it stems from that first season of PodCraft that I was talking cool. about, um, which is basically aimed at you getting your first episode out. So if you go to uh, thepodcasthost.com forward slash e-course, then uh, that uh, will take you to the sign-up page for that email course and uh, take you through the whole thing. Awesome. So there you go. That's the homework for tonight. <laughs> Colin, thanks so much for joining me on the show. It's been great having you on. I've really enjoyed your insights into um, just how to make your educational content more effective, which I think, you know, moving away from podcast courses and whatever, that I feel has been the overall theme of what we're talking about here. And uh, I know that, 
Uh, we'll certainly be making some little tweaks as well um, <laughs> to some of our own stuff, and hopefully our listeners will too. Thanks for coming on the show. Been a oh, pleasure having you on. It's been great. Thanks very much for the invite, and uh, I just love the stuff you guys are doing over there too. You're doing your courses are uh, really good quality. So oh, yeah. thank you, thank you. <laughs> so yeah, thanks again, Mike. Cheers. Cheers, Tom. Thanks again to Colin for coming on to the Membership Guys podcast. I don't know about you guys, but I really enjoyed that conversation. So much actionable stuff, so much gold there that we can all take away and improve our content with. And in true fashion of what Colin said, I'm actually going to implement one of his biggest pieces of advice that he said is the golden nugget, the one thing he'd like everyone to take away from that podcast, and that is to give your audience activities. So here is an activity for you. I want you, if you're listening to this, to do one thing to improve an existing piece of content. It could be a blog post, could be a podcast episode, or it could be your membership content. I want you to make one improvement to that content. So that may be adding some activities into it. It may be taking your most popular course within your membership and stripping out the audio and then offering that as an additional option to your users. Or maybe it's taking an ebook that you've written or a series of blog posts that you've written and recording an audio version of that that you'll release as a podcast series. So decide on one thing that you're going to do on the back of Colin's advice in this podcast. And then I want you to either tweet me at Membership Guys on Twitter or to jump into our free Facebook group for membership site owners at talkmemberships.com and let me know what change you're going to make on the back of this podcast. And then I'll hold you accountable. I'll keep track of that and I'll check in with you to see how the change has gone and more importantly, see what sort of results that you're getting when you make those improvements with your content. So that's my challenge to you. That's your homework on the back of this episode. I look forward to hearing from you and what you're doing to improve your educational content, implementing the advice from Colin Gray on today's episode. That's it from me for another week. Thanks once again for choosing to spend a little bit of time with us thanks again to colin for coming on the show really do hope you've enjoyed it as always we'd love to hear your feedback let us know on social media pop a little review into itunes let us know what you think of the show i'll be back again very soon with another episode of the membership guys podcast if you've enjoyed today's episode of the membership guys podcast we invite you to check out the membersiteacademy.com the Member Site Academy is the essential resource for anyone at any stage of starting, growing and running a membership website. So whether you're still figuring out what your idea is going to be or whether your website is already up and running and you're just looking for ways to grow it and attract new members, then the Member Site Academy can help you to get to the next level. With our extensive course library, monthly training, exclusive member-only discounts, perks and tools, and a supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback, encouragement and advice, the Member Site Academy is the perfect place to be for anyone looking to start, manage and grow a successful membership website. So check it out at membersiteacademy.com. Do you want to boost your member signups and take your membership to the next level? If so, you're not going to want to miss the free webinar that I'm running on Tuesday the 26th of March. It's called Supercharge Your Membership Sales and it is entirely free. 
During the webinar, you will learn how to level up your core membership sales funnel for more traffic leads and sales. You'll discover the biggest roadblocks that could be costing you sales right now, and most importantly, how to fix them. And we're going to cover the key tactics that you need to have in place to successfully market and scale your membership. Plus, you get the opportunity to tap into my years of expertise in the membership space and have me help solve your current sales and marketing challenges. So, if you want to take your membership sales to the next level, join me on Tuesday, March 26th at 7pm UK time and go to membershipgeeks.com webinar. That's membershipgeeks.com webinar to secure your free seat today.